Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to find your podcasts. My name is John Boccasino, being joined, of course, by my esteemed colleague, Jamie D'Amico. And Jamie, we are into our second full podcast of the offseason, and we are going to start doing some looks at the roster and where the Bills can improve and try to get better in 2020. And uh, of course, you know, the, the first place to start are with the free agents. So with that being said, Jamie, welcome to the podcast and a happy belated new year. Oh, thank you very much. And you know what? This is a very interesting topic because this year the Bills have a couple of Awfully good performers that are going to be free to sign wherever they please. Wonder how they're going to go about this. Well, we're going to dive in today, aren't we? Absolutely. You know, and I think a great place to start, Jamie, is uh, going into the actual figure of what is available. There has been a lot of discussion about, you know, we've heard the phrase, there's 90 million in cap space, there's 90 million to spend. But that 90 million in free cap space is not exactly 90 million. It's calculated based on which players are currently under contract for 2020, of which Brandon Bean has 42 players who fall under that category. So there's at least an 11 additional players that have to be re-signed just to get to the active 53-man roster. And of course, there's going to be rookies and the draft coming up in April, and there's all sorts of other uh, calculations that go into it. So really, when you break it down, it's not really, truly a full $90 million. So it's still really 60 or so million, I believe, in unused cap space if you factor in um, the rollover, the available cap space, the projected player costs, and the estimated salary cap for next year. So right off the bat, it takes it from $90 million to $60 million, which should make Bills fans be a little more conservative with how uh, Terry Pagula and uh, Brandon Bean are doling out their bucks in free agency. And you could probably take another $3 million off of that for the draft alone, depending on how many players the Bills bring in too, which is something that I have a tendency to forget about. Or did you include that in that first number? I, I kind of I ballparked it. I ballparked it at I, I kind of went a little high and figured six million or so, um, just to give ourselves some conservative figures out there. And 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 obviously, if, if there's trades that are made, if there's more players that are drafted or fewer, you know, obviously at the the Bills at this point, I think we can all agree. Unlike in the past, where they had to draft for bulk and volume to fill out the roster talent. Bean and Sean McDermott have established enough talent here where the Bills can go for high-impact players, and maybe they go for fewer uh, quantity of players and more quality of players to fill out this roster because I really feel like with two playoff appearances in three years, things are trending in the right direction. I absolutely agree. Now, I'm of the belief that there's very few positions on this team that can't be upgraded. So I am always after the better player, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you can actually get that player because of the salary cap restrictions, the team building aspect of it. And there's a lot of things that play into team building, including how is it going to disrupt the locker room, if at all. And the one thing that we saw of the 2019 Buffalo Bills, those guys love each other. And you do not want to bring in a, a bad personality to 
perhaps upset that apple cart. So how are they going to go about that? Well, Brendan Bean has said that he wants to keep his players in-house. He wants to do, he wants to draft, develop, and re-sign those guys. So how are they going to go about that? Which are the guys that they feel that they have to develop? Well, there's four big ones, but and then a slew of, we'll say, role players or backups that are hitting the market right now. So who are the ones that come to mind for you? Well, for me, and I, I want to educate our fans a little bit here too, there's technically three types of uh, free agents that we're talking about when you look at the roster. There's an exclusive rights free agent, which means they only hit free agency if their current team opts to non-tender them at a salary that's equal to the league minimum for the player's age. These free agents cannot negotiate a contract with another team once a tender has been applied. Then there's the restricted free agents are players who have at least who have exactly three years of service time. They can also be tendered contracts by their current teams. But if they choose to sign a deal with another team, the former club can either match that deal or let him go to the new team. Finally, there's the unrestricted free agents who can do whatever the hell they want and either re-sign with their current club or test out free agency. The bulk of Buffalo's 16 free agents that are coming up this year, 12 of them are unrestricted. One is restricted and three are exclusive rights. And the biggest names that, in our opinion, you're going to see come from that unrestricted category. And for me, it all starts and stops with three players. Defensive end Shaq Lawson, defensive tackle Jordan Phillips, and guard Quinton Spain. There's other names that are going to make an impact that Buffalo should try to bring back. But to me, Jamie, those are really the three biggest hitters and the ones that are going to be the most tough question marks for this regime to figure out what to do about defensive tackle Jordan Phillips, defensive end Shaq Lawson, and guard Quinton Spain. Let's start this process. I uh, I flipped a coin backstage, and the winner of our first player to be discussed is Jordan Phillips. He seems to be the most polarizing of all of these numbers out here. And I think a lot of this boils down to he had a great season for Buffalo, nine and a half sacks. That's a career high. He clearly loves Buffalo. He loves playing with this team and this organization. Where I have major problems with Jordan Phillips fitting into this scheme is where he envisions himself in the hierarchy of free agents and talented players out there at the defensive tackle position. Jordan Phillips wants to get paid like a top three defensive tackle. To me, I don't think he is worth being a top three defensive tackle because you're basically looking at, I believe, somewhere around a, it could be anywhere from 13 to 17 or $18 million per year on an average year contract to be projected at somebody uh, as a top three defensive tackle. I don't think Jordan Phillips is worth that. Uh, he's a phenomenal success story, but I just don't think he's worth that type of, uh, of contract. He proved a lot on the one-year deal that the Bills gave him. He came back and really backed it up, but it's a lot of money I think he's expecting. What are your thoughts? I Well, first of all, I'm slightly afraid to give my opinion uh, because I'm a little worried Jordan Phillips is going to take to Twitter and come after me. <laughs> and and for those of you who don't know, our own Bruce Exclusive from Buffalo Rumblings, who is a, a member of the Nick and Nolan podcast and also a writer, 
He put his comments on Twitter saying, I don't think Jordan Phillips is worth it to bring back. And Jordan Phillips got on Twitter and went after him and pretty much said he didn't know what he was talking about. And Jordan Phillips made the argument that he was uh, top three in the league in um, in sacks and tackles for losses amongst defensive tackles in the NFL. And I'm with you, John. I think for the amount of money he appears to be after, which is top three money, you just can't do that in, because of the composition of this roster. They have sunk, the Buffalo Bills have sunk $10 million a season into star Lou Tulele to play the uh, the one technique defensive tackle position. And then you're paying another $4 million a year to Ed Oliver, a three tackle or a three technique defensive tackle. Well, that's the same position that Jordan Phillips plays. Now, how can you commit that amount of money to, to one position? That would mean, okay, Jordan Phillips, let's just say he was worth $15 million a season. That would then make two guys that are making $19 million playing one position, and only one of them can get on the field at the same time. So one of the backups is going to be you know, still one of the top 20 players at their position salary-wise in the NFL, but not seeing the field. I just don't see how you do that. Now, the other side of it is when it comes to the the rankings week to week of the people that know what they're talking about, and I'm looking at Joe Buscalia when I talk about that, his season ending, uh, his season end ratings don't really measure out all that well for Jordan Phillips as compared to the guy who would also be playing the position, which would be Ed Oliver. Ed Oliver graded out at number four on the team, uh, while Jordan Phillips, he graded out at number 27 on the team. And, you know, I just I, I just don't think that a guy who gets out of position on running plays and, you know, if he doesn't win on his first initial burst, I don't think you can bring that guy back for much more than, say, like $6 million a season. And I think he's going to expect a minimum of $12 million guaranteed over the course of the next three years. Well, it's, it's funny, Jamie, that you bring up the, the average annual value for the contract, and he does want to get paid like a top three defensive tackle, which according to Spot Track, the top three in terms of average salary per year are Aaron Donald at $22.5 million, Fletcher Cox at $17.1 million, and Grady Jarrett at $17 million, followed, of course, by Geno Atkins, Jarrell Casey, Marcel Darius, uh, amongst the heavy hitters that are really bringing in the big bucks at the defensive tackle position. Um, I love Jordan Phillips. I love what he brings to the table. I love his energy. I love the way he rallies the crowd. I love the way he motivates and gets his teammates going. And I love the fact that he loves Buffalo. I love the fact that he wants to play for Western New York's team, the Buffalo Bills. I just don't see it making financial sense to back up the Brinks truck and give him 
$12 million per year, $13 million per year on a contract. Track has him valued at a three-year, $18.5 million contract, which for a guy who was making four and a half this year on a make-it-or-break-it contract, and I'm sorry, Jordan Phillips, you can come at me on Twitter. I love you. I think you're an awesome, passionate player, but you look at what you did, nine and a half sacks this year. Three of those came in one game. You slow down productivity-wise over the second half of the year. You've never been fantastic, in my unscientific opinion, at stuffing the run like a Star Latula can bring to the table. I agree. There's too many uh, chefs in the kitchen when it comes to the defensive tackle position. If he were to get seven, eight, nine mil a year, nine is the high end for what I think Buffalo should pay for the services of Jordan Phillips. I don't know what the market is going to bear out for him. We all know that the league is punch drunk crazy over pass rushers who can get after the quarterback. The Bills could free up some of their money by releasing Trent Murphy. They could free up some of their money by restructuring with Star Latule, but to get out from that Latule deal is going to be more costly than I think it's worth. So I think you're going to have the run stuffer in Latule back next year. You're going to have Ed Oliver, who made the all-rookie team rather for the Professional Football Writers Association and is a solid rookie uh, coming back to the team. I just don't see Jordan Phillips getting the money that he expects from Buffalo. So if if they were to, say, cough up $9 million, if, if Jordan Phillips was to say, look, I, I just love Buffalo so much that I'm willing to take this this discount. How many years do you sign him for? See, that's the other thing too. He's 27. In his mind, he thinks he's entering the peak of his career. And I mean, theoretically he is, but I also am very skeptical over players who just explode onto the scene. Um, he has done great this year with a career high nine and a half sacks, including three times bringing down Marcus Mariota in the week five win over the Titans. However, you have to look at the full body of work when it comes to Jordan Phillips. And I think he can he be a three down defensive tackle who contributes in every aspect like he would need if he were to be getting 10 plus million dollars per year. If I were to go ahead and take the contract and give him something less than what he wants, but more than what the market might bear out, again, the 18.5 million valuation from Track, a three or a four year deal at somewhere between 18 and 27 million. If you go four and 27, I think that's the high end range for I would feel comfortable uh, bringing back Jordan Phillips. What about you? I don't think I would go more than two years because I'm with you. I expect to see regression from a guy who typically has around one to three sacks a season. Yeah, I, I just I don't see him having a repeat of this. And unless he's putting up those kinds of stats where he's getting to the quarterback and taking him down as consistently as he did this year, I I don't think it brings the value that you want to see, and I don't think you want to be hampered with a Trent Murphy-type contract where the guy's just not living up to the dollar amount that he's receiving. Um, you know, most teams regress when they shoot forward and have a great year out of nowhere. Most players do the same thing. You're right about that. So I say that unless he's taken a steep discount, you don't resign him. Somebody out there is going to become enamored by the sacks and by the uh, get off at the line of scrimmage, and they're going to pay him what he's asking for. He's he's going to be a very wealthy man, and I'm going to be happy for him because he brought it 
heart and soul to the Buffalo Bills. But, you know, it's it was fun while it lasted. Well, and Jamie, here's another thing to factor in, too. There is an outside chance. I'm just basing this on speculation, but the team could offer him one more make-it-or-break-it contract if he really, truly wants to be in Buffalo. And maybe they give him a one-year, $7 million contract, which would be rewarding him what he's looking for on the average contract with a one-year deal and give him one more chance to prove that this year was not a fluke because you look back over his last four seasons um, before this year, um, he was averaging less than two sacks per season. So when he had the nine and a half this year, on top of he had two, he had half, he had two, and he had one, meaning he was really averaging 1.375 sacks per season. And then he had the five and a half sack total last year and nine and a half this year. You're right. There's going to be a regression to the mean for sure when it comes to Jordan Phillips. Maybe he's happy. Maybe he truly does want to be with this team and takes a one-year prove it to me even more kind of deal at say $7 million a year. But I don't think he's going to be getting what he wants from Buffalo and the Bills will have to move on without the services of one of the most dynamic uh, playmakers on the defensive line. But again, somebody that I feel like with Ed Oliver, who did grade out consistently higher than Jordan Phillips did, I think the Bills will not miss too much of a beat if they happen to lose him again. Jordan Phillips, don't come after us on Twitter because we love and respect you. We're just speaking to you from a financially prudent position here thinking of Bills fans who really need to be responsible with the money that's coming up in free agency. Yeah. Jordan, go get your money, then throw us a party. <laughs> kind of like Cody Ford will with his uh, with his ridiculous fine that he had to pay for the uh, blindside block that wasn't from during the wild card. Oh my God, I know. But we don't want to bring up post-traumatic stress disorder. People are probably still stressed out and, and, and pissed off about the wild card game. So let's bring up another controversial figure along the defense that the Bills have to make some decisions on. And his name is Shaq Lawson, who the team did not give him a fifth-year option uh, this year, uh, coming off of his rookie deal, which makes him a free agent after this year. He, again, is one of the unrestricted free agents on the team, and he is also one of the most polarizing figures when it comes to this free agency period, what the Bills do with Shaq Lawson. Jamie, since I kind of gave you my opinion first on Jordan Phillips, I'm going to turn the tables and have you go first on Shaq Lawson. If you're Brandon Bean, what do you do with the former first round pick? I'm torn on Shaq Lawson and I'll, I'll tell you why. There were times during the season that the Bills pass rush just completely disappeared. They really tried to get to the quarterback using their four defensive linemen. And at times it just seemed like opposing quarterbacks had time to like take a coffee break while they're standing in the pocket. Not good. I think that what Buffalo is lacking is the fierce pass rush that's going to that's going to really make really going to make offensive coordinators scheme around. Now, I think Jerry Hughes is that guy often. He didn't quite have the the stats over the past couple of years that he's had in the past, but he's still a good player. Now, Shaq Lawson, I worry about players that in their contract year, they play particularly better than they have in their career up to that point. Now, granted, the the first couple of years were kind of a wash. He had a shoulder injury and then he was miscast as an outside linebacker. You can't really count that. And that, that was under the Rex Ryan regime. Well, here we are 
after three years with Sean McDermott. And uh, he took steps forward each year, but I don't know if he's going to continue doing that. And I feel like Buffalo needs better on the defensive line. This is a sneaky need that they have, which we'll save for another show. But Shaq Lawson has graded out well against the run, and that's something that the defense hasn't necessarily done well. He, in particular, showed his medal against the Ravens, the way he set the edge uh, against the run-pass option, and he really did a great job of keeping Lamar Jackson contained. That's something that not many teams did, and in fact, the Bills really set the template for slowing down the Ravens' offense, and that's what the Tennessee Titans did this past weekend, and... they got the win against what the team that most considered to be the best in the NFL. Now, with Shaq Lawson, I think you do bring him back, but I think you do it on your terms. I, I don't think you can break the bank on this guy. Uh, somebody may be willing to break the bank on him. I think you have to set your guidelines and say, okay, this is how much we can pay this player. And if we're going to go above that, we need to get in return, we need to get a better player than Shaq Lawson. Now, that creates the issue of, well, who exactly is available out there. That's for Brandon Bean to worry about. But I say you take Shaq Lawson back if. I like where your head's at. I I, I honestly, though, feel like this is a position, like you mentioned earlier, we'll talk about this more in our needs as the offseason advances. But I feel like this is a major hole on the Buffalo Bills roster if Shaq Lawson is to depart. And I look at some of the available options out there who would be considered quote-unquote elite. you got Everson Griffin with the Minnesota Vikings, Eric Armstead, Yannick Ngakwe from the Jacksonville Jaguars, Jadavian Clowney, Robert Quinn. There's a lot of talent out there that's going to cost a boatload of money to bring into Western New York. And I feel like even though there are the concerns about a guy in a contract year having a breakthrough season with six and a half sacks, a career high, 32 tackles, and really splitting time effectively um, at the defensive end position, Although he was, he didn't rotate with Trent Murphy this year, but I feel like Lawson is a much better, much more consistent piece of the puzzle for this defensive line. And you look at what contract Trent Murphy signed. It was three years, $22.5 million, a little more than $10 million guaranteed in 2018. I think the Bills would love to get out from under that contract if they could. And I think Shaq Lawson is really a great example of where the Bills should be focusing their efforts this offseason. He's still young enough. He's 25. He made great strides in Leslie Frazier's defense this year. You mentioned the Baltimore Ravens game. What he did to shadow and slow down Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram st- uh, stacking the edge out there. He really did such a great job that I think he needs to come back. He'll never have an all-pro season. I think he'll have some Pro Bowl caliber seasons, never an all-pro season. But I think Shaq Lawson, bringing him back is going to be key to really advance this defensive line and this defense moving forward for a team that wants to make the playoffs, is going to have a tough schedule in front of them, facing a lot of athletic quarterbacks. I think Shaq Lawson is a guy that needs to come back to this team and this regime. I don't know how much the contract is going to get offered at. Um, I know that... There's projections out there that range everywhere from, 
you know, getting six million a year guaranteed, seven million a year guaranteed. I think you're going to settle on somewhere of a ceiling of three years and thirty million. Maybe the floor is you get him for three years and twenty four million. You're going to probably have to pony up between ten and fifteen guaranteed uh, to Shaq Lawson under a contract. And for me, I still feel like that is worthwhile money given the fact that you need to control and own the trenches and get after the quarterback and and he plays really well you know with Jerry Hughes he plays really well with the existing members of this defense so for me I feel like Lawson is a solid enough of a player and a solid enough of an asset that if he were to get say three years and 24 or three years and 27 million even I would be on board with that re-signing that sounds pretty good to me. You know, he's also well-liked in the locker room. They say he's a funny guy and, um, you know, they they like having him there. He lightens the mood. And, you know, I know that they like having Jordan Phillips on the team too. And you don't want to upset the chemistry too much. So these are things to look out for when it comes to roster construction. And, you know, that then takes us over to the other side of the ball. Quentin Spain, the left guard, He came in on a one-year contract, signed kind of late into free agency, and he was a a member of the Tennessee Titans previously, came to Buffalo, played pretty well throughout the course of the year, but now there's a decision that needs to be made on him. He signed a a one-year contract and wasn't making as much money as somebody of his ilk would be expected to make. What do you make of the situation with Quentin Spain moving forward? I really feel like to me, as much as we focused on the defensive side of things, and I would say Shaq Lawson is number one defensive priority, even more than that, I would say bringing back Quentin Spain is a top offensive priority for this offensive line. Uh, Quentin Spain came in and really was a stabilizing force for this offensive line. He played every single snap. He's incredibly durable. He started every single game. He did not allow a sack, and I feel like he was equally strong in the pass game and the run-blocking schemes as well. This Bills team needs to maintain as much continuity as they possibly can with their team and with their offense, and especially with Josh Allen entering that pivotal third year out there where he needs to show the growth and he needs to eliminate a lot of the mistakes that he was making earlier in the year. Having a safety blanket like Quentin Spain come back to the team on a a contract that both pays and justifies and rewards him for his versatility while also being a little bit more flexible, if you will, with the payroll because he's not going to go out there and get 12, 13, 14 million dollars per season. But I feel like Spain is one of those underappreciated guards. Pro football focus, I take a lot of issue and a lot of arguments with their rankings. They ranked him as the 59th best guard in the league this year with a 56.1 overall grade. I feel that's garbage. I feel like Spain is so much better than what that number happens to represent. I feel like he is a key cog, someone that could really um, contribute and help get the running game fuel to greatness. He could continue to open up great holes for Josh Allen to have great passing lanes to throw through. And just thinking with my heart, I think Quentin Spain is someone that needs to come back for this Bills team for the continuity's sake. Now, I haven't quite done the numbers on the contract valuations for what I feel like I would I would pay Quentin Spain, but to me, I feel like he is the critical free agent linchpin on this offense that needs to come back. How about you? I think continuity, especially on the offensive line, is great. I don't think that Quentin Spain is. 
throughout the season, well, especially late in the season, you saw that Buffalo was having a difficult time running the ball up the middle. And that was especially against teams like the uh, the Redskins, where the middle of the Bills offensive line was just getting pushed backwards. Mitch Morris has to do better against the run. But Quentin Spain also has to do better. You saw you saw that Frank Gore's performance was going downhill later in the season, and that had a lot to do with teams getting better penetration through the offensive guards. Now, a lot of people love John Feliciano. Uh, I think he's got like one of those heart and soul of the team personalities. But I think that he's better served as a backup, and I think you can improve on Quentin Spain. Now, a lot of this has to do with what they think they're going to do with Cody Ford moving forward. If Cody Ford is going to stay a right tackle, then you probably have to consider bringing in Quentin Spain. But when it comes to offensive guards, you're finding that they're a little bit more interchangeable than other positions out there. And while Spain started off the season pretty well, he didn't maintain that level of play. I don't think that you can offer him up a contract unless it's the same type of situation where it's significantly beneath the uh, beneath the market as it was last year. The Bills got him on the cheap, though they did have to guarantee that contract. I wouldn't be comfortable guaranteeing the contract going forward because I am convinced that you can improve upon that position. Whether you do that through free agency or through the draft, they're out there. Yeah, there are options for sure. I just feel like you look at Ty and Shecky, who battled a pretty bad ankle injury the last couple games of the year. He's also getting up there in age. You know, Mitch Morris was not averse to injury problems this year. I I don't know. For me, I, I guess I disagree in the fact of Quinton Spain's usefulness and what he would be able to bring back. It depends again all on the contract and how long the contract is and how much money they have to for they have to fork over to to bring him back but I would definitely focus my efforts on bringing Quinton Spain back not again on a 10 million per year kind of deal I believe he had a one year five million dollar contract this year but if they can find it again a team friendly contract like that to bring back Quinton Spain I am all for that um, I feel he is undervalued I feel he's underappreciated and the fact that he didn't give up a sack this year is an incredibly important statistic in both looking at his way to protect Josh Allen and, again, his versatility. And as far as the run game up the middle, I see your point and I hear you that Frank Gore's production uh, suffered and fell off this year. But I think that's also due to Frank Gore just being done and the tread is off the tires. He doesn't have much to contribute anymore to this team. So for me, I am all fine about bringing Spain back. I am all about bringing Shaq Lawson back. And I think that we're going to have to say goodbye to the artist known as Jordan Phillips and find somebody to replace him either in free agency or the draft. There's, of course, much more we can cover on free agency and what's going to happen during the offseason. But for now, we'll put a ribbon on this podcast and tell our fans thank you so much for listening to our real in-depth preview of the top three free agents in our mind that the Bills have to make decisions on for the 2020 season. If you have feedback and want to get involved with the show, you can find us on Twitter, Jamie is at the Jamie D'Amico, and I am at John Boccasino. You can also tweet the Buffalo Rumblings account at Buff Rumblings, and you can, of course, go to buffalorumblings.com to find all your Bills related content. And please tell your friends about the Bill Eve podcast. There's plenty of room here on the bandwagon for fans that want to jump on board. For my esteemed colleague, Jamie D'Amico, I am John Boccasino signing off. <laughs>